Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today on the show, we've got Nicole Ferrier. So um, welcome, Nicole. And for anybody that's not familiar with you, can you just give us a quick background on who you are, what you do, what you've been up to lately? Yeah. So my name is Nicole Ferrier. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, but I've been living in Florida for the last four years. And I am an online health and fitness coach. So I primarily work with lifestyle clients, but I have a big background in bodybuilding. So I've competed in over 20 NPC bikini competitions. I love competing, um, but I've also shared like, I don't want to say the dark side of competing, but not necessarily all the pros that come with the sport. So most of my clients I'm working with, they need to improve their relationship with food. I work with a lot of body recomposition and then um, people who even struggle with um, reverse dieting. So that's most of my clientele. And I've been full-time in my business since 2018. So I feel blessed because I found my passion for fitness super young. Like you could go back on YouTube and I was making little workout tutorials when I was like 14, (laughs) 15, and they're super embarrassing. Like yeah, like the worst form ever. Um, but I feel really grateful to be able to do what I've always had a passion for. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so 14 or 15, you were already posting on YouTube. That's, I know like looking at form and everything from when you get started is always like cringy, but that's really Mm -hmm. cool to just like have that in your archives. So you can see like how far you've come. Yeah, super shy too. Like I remember, like I would lift my voice super high whenever I would talk because I know that my voice is like more—I don't want to say dull, but it's not like the super bubbly, girly voice. And I was like, "Oh, you poor thing." I was like, "Just be who you are." (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I get that. I kind of getting started on the podcast. I was like, "Oh man, I can't stand listening to my own voice." But then it's just like you get over it, get used to it eventually. (laughs) Yeah. So 20 shows is a lot. How many years did that span? Um, 2015 to 2021, I did have a gap between like 2019 and um, 2021 where I had to work on like some hormonal issues, but I like did, I think like seven shows one year where I was just like super focused on like going pro. Um, and I kept like doing pretty well, like getting like second and third place. So like, it's hard to stop when you feel like you're so close. I felt like, um, kind of like a little dangling carrot in front of me. I'm like, you're almost there. You're almost there. You're almost there. And then I, I just, it didn't happen for me. Do you feel like you kind of burned out doing them that often or just needed to take the step back for your hormones? Yeah. I mean, mentally I, wasn't burnt out. Um, I always say that my body gave up before my mind did and that I was just too stubborn to like, listen to the red flags that my body was giving me because I was so focused on this one goal. And I kind of became blind to the fact that like, Hey, like we're competing, but we're not really bringing our best package anymore. Your body's looking tired. And I think that I was letting my ego get in the way. And given the fact that I had had so much experience, I'm like, I know what I'm doing, you know? So it was kind of hard for me to recognize like, all right, like this is hard, but it shouldn't be this hard. And then it was also like, how much am I willing to sacrifice? And it just got to a point where 
I like had nothing else left to give. And I'm like, all right, like I need to reassess like what's important to me. And right now, like I don't have the time to be doing two to three hours of cardio a day and eating like no carbs. Yeah. So, um, given that you've been that lean 20 times, which is so many, um, and you have that background in competing, but your content is a lot of times centered more around, um, the detriments of getting that lean. So like with your own journey, but then like talking to others as well, like potential clients. Um, so what is the cost of getting stage lean or even just photo shoot lean for most women? Yeah. I think a lot of people aren't well informed and I want to be an advocate in this sport to not just encourage everyone to compete. Like if you were to be doing this interview with me back in 2015, I would tell you that every single person should compete. Right. (laughs) I was just so blind to the fact that it could be unhealthy and, you know, growing up seeing like the super lean physiques is more so on magazines versus social media. You know, I thought that that's a very, attainable look, right? I see it all the time with these models. So like, why can't that be me? Like she looks great. And then as I've gotten into the sport, I've realized, you know, there's a lot of issues. There's a lot of people going about it in a very unhealthy way. There's a lot of people who are struggling behind closed doors. I've struggled behind closed doors with like my relationship with food too. And I just want people to understand that there's a sacrifice to be that lean because the biggest thing that hurts me is when someone says, I want to look like a bodybuilder, but I don't want to compete. And it's because (laughs) they don't understand what's involved in getting that lean. And when I tell you it's like a full-time job, it is like, there's no monkey business. There's no going out to eat. There's no alcohol. There's, there's no balance. And when you look at a high level athlete, there is no balance. You know, you look at an Olympic level athlete, do they have a lot of free time? Do they have a lot of balance? No, they don't. And so people forget that this is a sport. You know, it's not just a, I'm going to do this for fun. Um, it's a sport, but it's also a sport that really involves nutrition, um, and exercise. And that affects your everyday life versus like, you know, just getting ready for, let's say a marathon. Yeah. And not only does it affect your everyday life, it affects your life every day, four to five times a day for every single meal that you need to eat. Um, so beyond mm-hmm. just like the the time cost and the, like if somebody's going, okay, but I am willing to do all those things in order to stay lean. Mm-hmm. Is there a cost beyond just that commitment that it takes? So that's where my other saying is, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when your body's going to burn out. And this is something that I think a lot of people think they could avoid. I thought I was the exception, you know, being stubborn. I'm a Taurus. I joke with that all the time. I'm like, I'm just stubborn. It's just the way I am. But I thought I was the exception that, no, I can just push through it. And I think a lot of people see pros even, and they think, well, she competes over and over and over again. A lot of times you see that, and then you see that person drop off for ever or for years, you know? And so it's a, not a matter of if it's a matter of when your body's going to burn out, you might be able to maintain that look for a while, but there's going to get like, something's going to give, is it your mental health? It, do you start binging and have really bad cycles of food? Do you um, have no friends because the social impact is your, you know, hormonal panel way off where 
your hair's falling out and your nails aren't healthy and your skin's breaking out and you don't have a period, you know, your body can only handle so much stress. And I think a lot of women forget like how stressful it is taking your body outside of a healthy body fat percentage. Um, whereas like most competitors are dipping below 15% body fat, which is basically dipping into essential levels of, of body fat for women. So you're kind of playing with um, dangerous territory there. And that's why I don't encourage people to get that lean and stay that lean. Like I'm okay prepping people. We can get there, but we're not going to stay there. And everybody's body needs to get back to healthy body fat set point after. Yeah. And uh, I assume that's going to be different. That set point is going to be different for everybody, like where your body thrives and is able to create hormones and all of that. Yeah. And there's a lot of um, misinformation out there. Like you'll hear some coaches say like, you shouldn't be gaining more than 10 pounds post-show. But if you have someone that's five, nine and you have someone that's five foot, 10 pounds looks vastly different. And I also know like if I were to use that rule and apply it to myself, like if I was only 10 pounds above where I was on stage, I still, I still wouldn't have a menstrual cycle. And I also know that it would still be a full-time job to maintain that. So we got to like be careful with what numbers we're throwing out and recognize like your body knows what it needs to do. Like a lot of people have like lost trust with their body and think that it's like out to get them. But in reality, like everybody's body has a sweet spot. You just have to trust that it's going to get you there. Yeah. Do you think that over time you can get that sweet spot, that um, set point to adjust down while you're still able to maintain healthy hormonal profile and all of that? Um, if we're talking like a lower body fat percentage, but that's still healthy. Yes. Yeah. You know, I do think that there's some women out there where they sit a little bit higher. I mean, I have someone, some women where if, even if they dip below 20%, they start to have issues like with their cycle. And so that's definitely kind of concerning. Um, I for sure think someone that is like more in the obese area, can they, you know, change their body fat set point? Absolutely. You put some muscle mass on that person and you take them through a proper fat loss phase and reverse them they're going to for sure be a, a new set point. But I think when we're talking about, you know, a lot of women say like the last five to 10 pounds, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's just being a little bit too unrealistic. You know, if it were up to me, like if I got to choose, I would love to be five pounds leaner. I think you could ask any woman and they would say, I wish I was five pounds yeah, leaner. But it's also like, I know my quality of life is a little bit better with these five pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, how long are you comfortable? Just very general guidelines. Um, but how, how long are you comfortable with yourself or your clients staying in that, like teetering on like the lower end of where we would want to have body fat percentage? Yeah, I think a lot of it depends on the client and their biofeedback. So biofeedback is going to be like digestion, their sleep, their hair, skin, and nails, their menstrual cycle, um, even their psyche. So you could have someone be super lean and they have like no reports of that are abnormal with food, no thoughts that are, you know, bad around food. Um, they could have really good sleep. They could have really good markers altogether. So that person and their stress resistance, you know, how much stress their body can handle might be higher than someone else. And, you know, we don't really know until we get you there. I will say like, for competing. Um, if someone's an amateur, I really don't like them to be that lean for longer than like six weeks, you know, and that's if they're doing multiple shows, which 
I actually encourage doing multiple shows because I think the first time you compete, you have stage fright and it's like really overwhelming and you're stressed out. And so you don't really get to enjoy the day because it's a lot to take in. Um, and so if you do like two to three shows, you can actually have a more calm, relaxed experience. Um, plus you're already there. So it's like, if you have the finances, like hop on stage, get more pictures and, you know, try it out again. Cause that first time, I mean, I, I sucked at my first show, you know? So it's like, you want to get in again, but if someone's, um, more seasoned, I would say they, they can handle it probably longer. You know, I've seen people who can handle it for two to three months, but when you're getting, you know, into like another season and more so like a calendar year season, I'm talking about like spring to summer, summer to fall. I see people who maintain super lean, like spring to fall. Then it's like, all right, that's really hard on the body. Yeah. Time to get out and eat some more food for a bit, (laughs) put on some muscle. Uh, why do you think now, of course, like, I think this is something that is really easy to talk about, but it's also so much easier said than, than done. Cause I'm this exact same way, but why do you think it is so hard to get out of the mindset of just wanting to stay lean all the time? To be honest, I think a lot of people get into the sport for the wrong reason. And that's just one of the major issues I tell people if like social media wasn't there, would you still compete? And I actually Mm. put this up as a poll and 30% of people said that no, they would not compete. And so those 30% probably shouldn't be competing in the first place. Right. right? And so you have to ask yourself that question. And I think the other thing is I I've had um, some podcasts I've done with Celeste Rains Turk and she specializes a lot in like post-show and like binging and, and body image. And one thing that she's brought up on my show is we need to stop behaviors that we do in prep that we normalize. So such as the body checking, such as the constant selfies, the constant flexing, like all of those behaviors, people do that. They're over, they're over analyzing themselves nonstop. Mm -hmm. And so when you stop getting leaner and you start to gain some healthy body fat, then you start to freak out because you're still doing those crazy body checks and you're like, holy crap, like now I'm changing in the opposite direction. And so I think it's very important to have a very, neutral experience with your body. Um, I'm not going to lie. Is it cool to get lean? Yeah. You know, I've been there. I've done that, but we got to make it not be the most important thing in prep. Yeah. Was that a struggle for you at the end of your last preps? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was the only girl in my college gym that was like really lifting too. And so to see someone that like an identity, yeah. See someone that has adults, has the abs, um, you know, like guys, girls, it didn't matter. Even professors, like people just knew me as like a bodybuilder, that fit person. And it, I felt like I had this really big standard that I had to hold for myself. And this was also when I was first getting into coaching. So then I thought like, people aren't going to want to work with me if I'm not this lean, right? Because then they're going to think like, oh, you're not as serious about fitness. And so I had put that pressure on myself that I couldn't really gain weight And then that's where I had a lot of issues with like finding balance and even accepting reverse dieting because I kept like letting myself gain a little bit and then I'd panic and freak out and try to like lose weight again. Um, And it's just because I was setting that unrealistic standard on myself and I was really caring about other people's opinions when in reality, like nobody really cares. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Whenever it's tied into your identity, I feel like that's so much harder. And I I think 
any coach listening can definitely um, relate with that. And I've had that same experience at like um, at, at a point in time where I was like at my strongest, at my leanest, and everybody at the gym is like asking me about it and commenting on it. And then to let that go is super difficult. Um, what allowed you to finally let go of that? And did you see anything on the positive side eventually from that? And can you talk through that? I think a lot of it comes down for me at least was like maturing, but also just like admitting that like I have issues with food, you know, and I have things that I didn't really address and resolve. Um, especially as a teen, I was struggling a lot with food. Um, you know, I've struggled with anorexia. I've struggled with binging. I've struggled with purging. I joke that I've struggled with everything under the sun. And so I had to really ask myself, like, you know, do you want to do bodybuilding or are you going to just use it as this like way to have a poor relationship with food? And the weird thing was, is like during prep, didn't have a bad relationship with food. It was always after it was always the post show that I struggled. Um, and I really had to prove it to myself that I could have a good relationship with food if I was going to still do the sport because it just wasn't enjoyable to be honest, you know, having that yo-yo, having binges, having, you know, stress, anxiety around food. It wasn't, um, a good spot to be. And I will say at the time I was actually dating a boyfriend at the time and he was also a competitor and it was really eye opening to see him just be able to get into a balanced state pretty quickly. And I feel like with women, we put a lot more pressure on ourselves of like post-show gaining weight versus men. Like a lot of men are just like, oh, I'm big, I'm strong. Yeah. A lot of women are like, no, I'm fat, you know? <laughs> and Yeah, exactly. And I think that helped a lot just seeing how he handled it and how like relaxed he was around food. And I'm like, I want that, you know, and it took time. You know, I think if anybody's wanting to work on their relationship with food, it takes a lot of work. Um, I was always someone that I didn't even overeat on quote unquote unhealthy food. Like I would binge on protein bars or sweet potatoes. I remember one time eating five sweet potatoes, like just crazy stuff um, where I reflect back and I'm like, I don't even recognize that person. Um, but recognizing those food patterns and working on them and just being okay with like letting go. Like a, a lot of what I say now is like, just surrender, just surrender to the process, stop fighting it, stop getting in your own way because you don't know what you don't know. And so just try to jump in and enjoy it. And, um, you know, did my first improvement season where I really let my body like get back. Was that an enjoyable process for me? No, it was really scary and it was really hard on my confidence. But I also think a lot of that, again, came down to tying my identity with my body. And as I was um, really getting to like know who I was, you know, this is still like my young 20s. So as I was getting to know who I was more and more, that worth in just my physical body started to dwindle with time. Yeah. So if you don't mind getting into some of this with the, the improvement in your relationship with food, is there anything you did outside of just kind of trying to let go of that? Yeah. I mean, I definitely reached out to an eating disorder facility at the time. And I think everybody has, I think a breaking point. And that was kind of my breaking point 
where I went in, I did the whole assessment, weird vibes, you know, you always see stuff like that on TV and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm this person, you know, (laughs) I was just like so annoyed with myself. And I remember them saying like, we would need to put you inpatient. And I was like, oh, I'm that bad, you know, because to me, I wasn't that bad. I was like, a high functioning person that's struggling, you know what I mean? And you see, you see people talk about that all the time where they're like, I'm, de- I have depression, but I'm high functioning. And so you wouldn't really know. And so when they put that paper down in front of me, I was like, I can't even afford inpatient. You know, I have like no money. I can barely afford rent. So I think that was just like a big eye opener for me. and really made me think about like, I, I need to really work on this. And I think part of it was admitting I had a problem. You know, I was very open with my boyfriend at the time. I started opening up more about it too. And I think when you do that, it allows for you to kind of accept where you're at and then learn more. Um, And even when I struggled with like disordered eating, I, I already knew what I was dealing with. And because I had researched it so much, even in undergrad, And so it took me going back to, um, you know, why this is happening in the first place. And it actually came down to the basics for me. You know, it came down to why are we fasting in the morning? Why are we drinking so much caffeine? Why are we avoiding certain foods? Why are we eating these tiny 200, 300 calorie meals? Why is our sleep schedule so horrible? And when I corrected those things, it it improved drastically. And so I think a lot of people even have disordered eating in a way because of their lifestyle. And at that time I was so stressed out in a very unhealthy, um, roommate situation. Um, I felt very uncomfortable in the atmosphere I was at. I was financially stressed out, you know, this first time me supporting myself. And so I had all this stress too, And I pinpointed that for myself that like stress is a trigger for me. Um, I've learned that my environment is so impactful for my mental health. And that's why even today, like people will always ask, like, why did you leave Ohio? And I was like, because my mental health, like I've learned for myself that my environment, all these things are so important for me in order for me to like thrive and have a healthy relationship with food. Um, so that's really the main thing. I mean, I think a lot of people definitely need to go the route of like getting a therapist and going through, um, the process of recovery. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. Um, that just wasn't the thing for me. Um, but again, what worked for me isn't going to work for someone else. Right. Yeah. So was this the same period of time of allowing your, your hormones to come back to where they need to be? Or is that a different process? this was 2017. So when I was dealing with my hormone issues, my relationship with, with food was actually in a good spot. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so high on life, like so happy with where I was at. Mm -hmm. And then I got punched in the face of my hormone issues. You know, (laughs) it was kind of like, Oh, everything's better. And then my body's like, just kidding. No, it's not. So it was almost like this delayed, um, you know, all that stress, like just built up and, I think that I had a lot of stress resistance. If you think about it, I think I was at like 17 shows at that point when I finally hit a wall, which is honestly impressive. So I, um, when I had the hormone issues, the, the reason why I knew I had issues was because I wasn't able to get lean like I was in 2019. It didn't matter how hard I pushed. 
I was doing all the steps in the world. I was being super consistent. My diet was very like bland, even with tracking macros and the math wasn't mathing, you know, it didn't make sense on why I wasn't getting leaner. And I remember waking up for a show. This was in August of 2019. And I was just thinking, I cannot wait for this to be over. And I was like, Mm -hmm. all right. Now we got to reevaluate this, you know, because I normally love show day. Um, I really love show days. Like some of the most beautiful and strong I've ever felt was my wedding day and show days, you know, and I kept thinking like, all right, there's something wrong here because you're not excited to show your package. You've worked your ass off. It's very clear. And then I um, realized even as I was reversing, I was gaining weight fast and it was kind of scary for me because I think I gained 35 pounds in the span of three and a half months, which is pretty fast. And, um, everything felt puffy, you know, even that prep, like I felt like really blurry. I didn't have that definition that I was used to. My face was like rounding out. I was like, where's my jawline? (laughs) I'm just going (laughs) to overuse bronzer, you know, like I just didn't recognize me. And, um, that's where I actually, I switched coaches right after that prep And I worked with Adam Atkinson from See You Later Leaner. And that's because he was the only person that would like really listen to me at the time. Um, I remember, you know, reporting like internal issues and I just felt like I wasn't being heard. And so I decided to get lab work done because I'm like, I feel like this person didn't believe me at the time, you know, and I was like, and I need someone that will listen to me because I'm seasoned. I know what I'm doing and I know that this isn't normal. Um, and then when we got lab work done, that was definitely an eye opener. Yeah. So, um, listeners know that I've actually been working on this for like the last year and working with the coach. Cause my, like all of my sex hormones were tanked thyroid, all of that. And it, it's, it's been a long process and, um, still isn't exactly where I want to be, but, um, you know, I pushed my body too hard for like a decade plus. So like, how fast can you expect that to come back? Um, how long of a process was it for you before you felt comfortable, like getting back into a deficit and pushing your body again? Yeah, to be honest, it took about a year and a half, but I, I prepped too early. I should have waited probably another year, but in 2021, I decided to swing another prep. Um, I was also getting married that year. So if anything, I was like, well, if I don't have the look I want, you know, at least it's like getting ready for my wedding. Um, and I just knew when to put on the brakes for that prep. And so I think it was five to six months in, and I still wasn't like responding the way I wanted to. It wasn't as bad though. You know, I was definitely responding faster than 2019. And I know that I probably could have gotten a more crisp condition, like national level conditioning I'm talking about, um, if I would have kept going, but I just kind of had that conversation with myself. Like, are you happy with your muscle mass? No. Are you um, feeling a little bit tired and burnt out? Yes. Do you want to prioritize other things in your life? Yes. And so that's when I decided to be done. And I actually started dabbling into um, the fitness division because I had always been a gymnast. And again, I've done so many bikini shows and I kept telling myself that I can never ever do fitness because like I'm not good enough and you know, just a lot of negative dialogue. And I started getting involved in a, a new division too. And I was really enjoying it. And I was like, I honestly just kind of want to take time off so I can get better at this too. 
That's awesome. The the fitness division just like blows my mind. It's so impressive to me. I've seen um, a few of your Instagram stories of like practicing that kind of stuff. It's crazy impressive. So uh, do you know when you're going to compete in that? I think I'm going to compete next year. And I say that because I'm like, and part of me is like, oh, I don't know. I still have to get labs done and see where I'm at. Um, but I feel like now that I've been at my last deficit was August of 2021. And I actually ended that prep at like 2000 calories because we were reversing up like since June. So I wouldn't even say I've been that, that low. So that's the last time I dieted. And so I feel like if I were to diet again in 2024, it would be a lot different. Um, and then I would just do crossover. I would do both bikini and fitness and kind of let the judges decide. And I kind of feel like with bikini lately, if all divisions lately, they're just getting leaner and leaner and getting <laughs> bigger and bigger. And the stage time just seems to be so short. And so I remember competing in my first fitness show. I was like, that's so fun to just be able to have two minutes, just me, all, all like performance and the costumes and the creativity and you just get to express yourself. And so like, I really felt like I had a lot of fun with that. Um, and I like bikini too. It's hard because I love the look of bikini. So that's why I think I'll just try both and see where I yeah. should go. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, taking it back to like what we're looking for with clients, um, do you have sort of like a checklist or a few things that you're looking for for female clients to have ticked before pushing past a sustainable level of leanness? Yeah, I mean, I really don't take anyone to a unsustainable level of leanness unless they are a competitor. So if someone wants to do like a competition prep with me, you're not going to just be able to apply and sign on and me prep you right away. I like to work with a client for at least three months um, just to one, make sure that we are on like the same wavelength, that like we are good at communicating, but two, to make sure that your calories are at a good level to start. Um, for most women, I like for a minimum 2000 calories per day. And I like to see that their cardio is pretty minimal. So like sub 60 minutes for the week, if not even lower than that. Um, and then just make sure that they have good biofeedback markers. So they're like able to ready, able to handle a cut. Um, so like lower stress, like pretty good sleep routine. It, it depends, you know, some people are overnight nurses or, you know, they don't have the luxury of being able to have normal sleep, but I really try to look at some of the basics before going into a deficit. Um, but yeah, as for like, are you talking about just getting super lean or just dieting in general? Uh, getting super lean, but yeah, if it's different for just dieting in general, I'd like to talk about that too. I mean, they're relatively the same. I would just say for dieting in general, I mean, even if you're, you're going to have to re realize like when you're first starting with a coach, if you're still working on mastering some of the basics, like those first four weeks aren't going to be like this magic progression, you know, you're going to mm -hmm. still have to focus on being consistent. And I tell a lot of my clients, like consistency is the foundation to progress. So if you're not consistent, it's hard for me to pinpoint what needs to change in the first place. And so for lifestyle clients, they're really working on mastering that, especially if they've never tracked before. Um, and then for competitors, 
with getting that lean, I mean, they should already be nailing everything. Like yeah. they should already know how to track. Like it, they don't have to be motivated to do any of those things. It's just ingrained in what they do. It's just more so about managing like their energy levels, their recovery and how they're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. With the consistency piece, I like to describe it to my clients as like a science experiment. So we're supposed to have all of these controls and one variable. And if there's too many variables, we don't know like what's going on here. So the consistency of like your, your diet and your training needs to be there. Cause those can't be the variables. The calorie adjustments that we're making needs to be the variables. Then we know like this is what worked and this didn't, um, on, on that piece, is there anything where it's like, okay, we have you at X number of calories per pound, and um, you're just not losing like we would expect. Like like you said before, the math isn't mathing here. Do you mm-hmm. just go ahead and pull them right out and look at labs? Or what do you do in that case? I will ask them two questions. One is, do you want to push and just see what happens? Some people's bodies are extremely adaptive. Yeah. And they do have to diet really hard to lose weight. And I've had, I have one lifestyle client in particular, and she's like, I hate that my body takes 1300 calories to lose weight. I'm like, trust me, I hate it too. And yeah. we've done everything right. You know, we've reverse dieted before we've checked on her labs. We've made sure everything is in a good spot and it's still the same thing where her body is very stubborn. Sometimes that's just the way it is. And it, it sucks. There's really no magic to fix that. Just some people's bodies are more adaptive. Um, and they have to push. Now, let's say we do do the push, you're not responding. Then that's where the conversation of like, we should get lab work done, um, just to look a little bit deeper. And sometimes I also like to look at their fasted blood glucose. So I'll have them do that three times a week, just to see where their like insulin sensitivity is. Because if I notice that someone is in a quote, deficit and then their glucose is like 110 it's showing me that they're super inflamed and that they aren't going to be able to utilize the carbohydrates properly and it's also going to be hard for them to lose fat yeah yeah that makes sense um so going through the deficit when you're pushing to get leaner even if it's just kind of like photo shoot lean not looking to um get to a, a show or anything is there anything that you'll implement with your female clients to um, to do damage control. So using refeeds or diet breaks through the, um, through the diet supplements, anything like that to mitigate the impacts that you're going to see on hormones or quality of life. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking like just a natural athlete, you have to understand that your body is going to be more prone to exhaustion during prep. Um, and that's why you can't ever compare it to a pro. I see a lot of uh, amateurs and, and people who are just getting into the sport who do that. Their, their um, stress resistance is so much higher than the average, the average competitor. Um, I do like to utilize refeeds and diet breaks, especially for longer preps. When those are implemented, it's not set in stone. It's not like at week eight, we're going to do a diet break. You know, It's more so just looking at how their body's responding again, where they're at mentally, um, and, and how they're feeling. And so refeeds, I usually will implement that right away, at least like one. Um, and then that would also increase as they're getting leaner. And then as for supplements, I mean, just a general recommendation is I usually like to do magnesium glycerate just for stress management. 
Sometimes I like to also pair ashwagandha with that for, again, more stress management. Um, I do like a multivitamin just to make sure they're getting enough micronutrients and so their immune system is staying healthy because you are more prone to getting sick. So those are really the main three that I can think of. Um, sometimes I like a fish oil too because people will complain of joint pain. You're not getting a whole lot of fats and so sometimes that can help. Um, but that's really the main things as long as like let's say they're not dealing with anything else that we know of off the top. Okay. So with repeats, you do those more proactively, like you have those in every single week to start? Usually, yeah, because I just try to do a larger cut right off the bat if someone's getting into a prep to to lose weight. Okay. So is it like, okay, we have your your maintenance calories here at 2100, we're going to get into a deficit and we're going to drop all but one or two days and keep those two days like at maintenance intake or do you mess around with those at the start too? Yeah. I mean, I normally, again, only start with one, but it's at their predicted maintenance. Okay. And so as the cut goes along and they're losing weight, you will drop that along at like, as their uh, body weight goes down and their predicted maintenance is going to be lower. Do you keep that where it was, or do you typically lower that too? That also kind of depends on the person because I get some people who refeed really well at high calories. You know, I get some people who can absorb like 250, 300 grams of carbs easily. And then you get other people who, if you tip over 190 grams of carbs, their body's like moving in the opposite direction. So I like to take predicted maintenance into account, but then you also, this is why it's so important to have that history with that client. Cause you, then you know how they respond in the first place. Right. Yeah. So with those refeeds in place, um, is that something that you've done for a long time? So you can see like, okay, before I started doing these refeeds, I was definitely seeing a lot more diet fatigue or hormone issues or anything like that. So luckily I had done refeeds for my clients since 2017. So yeah, I just kind of like when I first started coaching, um, but I also started hiring coaches really young. Like my first coach was at 19 and it was kind of newer at the time. And I didn't quite understand the reasons why I was doing it back then, yeah. but now, but now I do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's times where I've pulled them, you know, or I've delayed them. You know, if I have someone that their off season calories were like 3000 calories per day, we, we don't need to be refeeding at 2,500 mm-hmm. calories, you know? So it just kind of depends there too. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So with, um, with your clients that have gone through this deficit and they're at the end of the fat loss phase and they're as lean as they want to get, um, is there anything that you tell them to expect going through the reverse diet? It's really important to be setting like new goals outside of just their physique and to lay out the like expectations. And so I encourage my clients to understand that they're going to be hungry. They're going to be dealing with cravings. Um, their satiety is going to be skewed. Um, and they're probably going to be pretty tired initially. And I think a lot of it is just kind of like a adrenaline dump for getting ready for an event. You see this in high level athletes, you know, people who have gone to the Olympics or brides getting ready for their wedding, you know, they have like a post event blues. And so it's about, you know, 
reevaluating like what are our goals now um, and, and what to expect. So it, it's hard because your hunger hormone is going to be so high for a while post-show. And this is where I also talk about the importance of restoring your body fat levels because that's what's going to bring you satiety. Um, if you're outside of your body fat set point, especially drastically outside of it, your body's going to be hungry. Yeah. And so setting goals outside of just looking at your body fat percentage, do you like to have like performance goals, pull-ups, like deadlift numbers or anything like that? Or is it like, Hey, let's get something that is a focus. That's not even anything to do with your body right now. I like for like three goals and then it could be a variety of different things. You know, um, I've got one client in particular I can think of, you know, she has a daughter. And so some of her goals were to have ice cream with her daughter, you know, have oh, more yeah, that's awesome. food, like with her daughter. Um, another goal of hers was to get back into running and we already knew it was a marathon running, but she just didn't have the energy to go for her runs. And so she wanted to do more of that. Um, I have another client where she had, you know, business. So she's like, I want to be working on my business more. So I do like for goals to not just be physique oriented, because then that's when I think people can even lose themselves. Um, and I think it's good to have kind of like a mix of everything. This is personally why I love liked the fitness so much too, is because I always had something to work on, you know, and it wasn't just about my body. It was more so like, different types of muscles, like my connection with my body. So it could even be like flexibility or, um, you know, working on yoga and meditation, like just something even new can be really fun. Yeah. I love that. Um, so if there's anything else that you want to leave the listeners with, um, I, I'd love to hear that, but then else, um, otherwise just let everyone know where they can find you. And if there's anything that you'd like to plug. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're looking at competing and getting really lean, it's very important to understand that this isn't going to be your forever body. Um, if you're looking at getting into competing to love yourself more or to have more confidence, um, then I wouldn't recommend it. Um, we have to understand that even if you are in a healing or health phase two, that dieting is always going to be there. It's not going anywhere. Um, fitness happens in phases. And so we have to learn how to be good at all phases of fitness and not just like live in one, because when we get stuck in one, that's where we can get kind of lost. So that'd probably be my biggest advice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you want to um, give everybody like your Instagram or where to find you online, anything that you have going on right now? Yeah. So you guys can follow me at Nicole Ferrier Fitness. Um, I'm on TikTok and Instagram. I mostly hang out on Instagram and then I have a podcast as well. My podcast is called beyond the bikini. Um, it's on like Spotify iTunes. So there's a lot of episodes there, a lot of great content. If you guys like competing, but even if you aren't a competitor, there's a lot of great lifestyle client lifestyle type of, um, content too. Awesome. Well, this has been great. Thank you for coming on and to the listeners, we will catch you next time.